Hey there, party people. This is Queer Watching. I'm Jesse here with my best pal, Brianna, and today we are talking about Close. Close is a 2022 coming-of-age drama directed by Lucas Don't and written by Don't and Angelo Tissens, reteaming after their first feature film, Girl, which was from 2018. And the film stars... The two little boys are both new actors, and so it's Eden Dambrin as Leo and Gustav Diwali as Remy. Uh, and then we also have Emily DeKene as Sophie, Remy's mother, and Leah Drucker as Natalie, Leo's mother. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Yeah, lots of Belgian names, but doing my best. It follows two teenage boys whose close friendship is thrown into disarray when their schoolmates notice their intimacy, causing a rift between them. Uh, This film is the Belgian entry for the international film category at the Oscars this year. It's nominated alongside four other films. This is your spoiler alert for Close. We'll definitely be spoiling some things. So you saw this in theaters, Brianna, and you read a special director thing because you live in cool new york so what are your thoughts on this movie yeah um i got to see it at the angelica cinema one two three in new york city they were doing an event where lucas daunt was going to speak to the audience afterwards so i dragged my wife along i had been wanting to see this movie i think it was a coming attraction in one of the other kind of like more artsy films that i had seen earlier and immediately was like oh my god yes we have to do this And what I knew about it was that basically what you just read about two teenage boys and a friendship. And I was like, it looks queer. This will be great. I told my, that's what I told my wife. I did say like some type of tragedy happens because that was what was included in the advertisement for the event. But I didn't know what type of tragedy because there was no hint of that in the trailer. And so honestly, my mind went to like, oh, them just becoming enemies as they grow older. And like, that's the tragedy or like maybe one moves away or like something like that. Was not prepared for this movie. My wife looked over at me and was like, this is why I don't fucking go to movies with you because you bring me to shit where the boy fucking kills himself. And I was like, oh my God. So all of that to say, this is probably one of the most beautifully shot, emotionally intense, and like cathartic, which is also a word that Lucas Daunt used to describe it, but like cathartic movies I have seen in a while because it just, it like every single person in the theater was moved. There was not a dry eye in the house. People were sobbing. People were going up to him afterwards and just like trauma dumping their own stories that were similar to this. And it was just a film that you didn't know you needed until you saw it. Because I feel like we've seen this in other little glimpses. And I'm thinking like my girl, uh, that kind of like closeness of two friends, but I don't really remember ever seeing something like this about two boys and them not being blatantly queer. It was, it was great. I I absolutely loved this movie. As you know, I then berated you to like see it as soon as possible so that I could talk to you about it. And you finally did. So what were your thoughts? Yeah. I think I remember seeing the trailer with you. I think it was before mm-hmm. after sun that we saw it. Okay. Maybe because I was sure. like, oh my God, we have to do that for that. Yes. 
Yes. I think I had similar reactions to you and your wife. Um, this is a devastating movie, but it's also a beautiful movie. It's like one of my top 10 for last year. So I loved it. I could also see how when we were talking about of an age and talking about like close shots and stuff, it kind of reminded you of this one. This one's done in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, a much prettier way to me and and done to convey different emotions, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's loving friendship at the beginning or all the grief at the end, that time is is used in different ways. So I I wasn't impatient in this movie with all the the shots like I was for <laughs> of an age a little bit, but I love this movie and it's, it's, you know, sad and beautiful. Yeah. I also was kind of thinking about uh, of an age after this movie and the fact that like that movie is about lust and love. And I almost feel as if the close shots that are used in that film are ones that we've seen. Like we've seen a close camera angle to convey intimacy or like to bring the audience into a love scene. And like that is run of the mill. You expect that kind of thing. But I don't really remember as an audience member being made to sit so close and for the entirety of the movie, when the movie is about grief and loss and like that, that made it almost unbearable. And I immediately saw the, like the cutaways to how he was coping when they were like really, really abrupt. It gave the the audience member just kind of like that reprieve specifically thinking of like the hockey scenes, but almost to the detriment. And I don't know if it's just because I watched it in the movie theater that then the audio was so loud, but like it, was almost a little bit unsettling. Like I was getting a little annoyed by the end of it because that would do such a sharp cutaway and such a sharp increase in audio that like it was abrasive on my ears where I felt like if they had just turned down the sound just a little bit, that it would have been more effective because I wouldn't have been like, like I found myself being like, oh, they're going to cut away soon. Be prepared. It's going to be really loud. But I also did appreciate that they gave us that brevity and that it wasn't so intimate the entire time. Hmm. I did not see this in theaters. I watched it on a decent sized screen at home and I did not really experience that, but I probably had a different um, caliber speaker than your movie theater. So I could have been part say. of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but that's good to know. Cause I, that. I was curious, like, if it was just the audio or if you would also feel similarly to me. Did I? I feel like I added an extra L in that sense, in that word, similarly to me. So what do you think about the cutaways? What cutaways are you talking about? I guess I didn't specifically notice them in the way that you're talking about. Oh. So talk to me more. What do you mean? So it's when Leo has made the hockey team. Okay. And Remy has died and it'll go from a like asking you to sit in the loss and sit in the sadness. So like no music, very little speaking, just raw emotion scene. 
And then the next scene was a sharp cut to him doing hockey drills and the sound of the skates on the ice, the sounds of bodies slamming. And to me, that was to illustrate like, this is how he's grieving. This is how he's like getting through the loss, but just that transition from like silence and sadness and stillness to then loud whistles was just very harsh on my ears in the movie theater. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I guess I noticed some of that stuff to me that was kind of just supposed to be a mirror of the emotions, kind of like grief in and of itself, right? Mm -hmm. Grief is not linear or consistent. So I felt like that was in the movie that way to, to, to parallel that the sound and the, um, the tone wasn't always exactly the same in, in the ways that grief isn't right. Like, Mm -hmm. It almost feels like in this at the beginning, he's not that sad, but then he gets sadder and sadder. But it's also kind of saying like he doesn't know how to process all of this. The scene where he has to listen to all of his classmates talk about what a happy boy Remy was and then Mm -hmm. look at him weird when he like lashed out. I would have done the same thing if everyone's sitting there and like talking about how close or talking about someone that i knew better than them as if they you know had the same relationship i think i would also get pretty mad about that and you know some of that is needing some help and guidance and talking about feelings and emotions but yeah grief is complicated so i feel like that was a lot of the the cutaways as you called them yeah and i thought that that tool was used very intentionally Um, I also really liked how he, he being Lucas, the, the director incorporated Leo's brother more over time, which I don't know Mm -hmm. the actor's name or the, or the character's name, but Lucas was saying that like, that was intentional that like, he wanted to show that this kid, that this boy still had connection to other like males that he could be close to and that like it wasn't something that he was being shunned for or being like bullied for that like closeness is part of healing and is part of grief and I don't know I was really I found myself like as I guess I'll say as an American bracing for the brother to be like get the fuck out of my bed like why are you here uh to really push against Leo when he'd like crawl in and be like, I miss him or things like that. It also made me think of like the closeness I had with my sister. There were lots of times where I'd like crawl into her bed or have sleepovers because of some big emotion that I was experiencing. And I just wanted to be like physically close to somebody that I loved. And I thought it was really, really pretty to see that happen between men or men and boys, kids. I don't know. I don't know what word to say there to not make it sound weird. I think men or boys is fine. I mean, I it, did it say specifically what age they are? Yes. I feel like he said, Lucas said that they were 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because there are because... many, I feel like there are things online that say they're going into high school, but I didn't remember anything specifically in the movie that said that. And see, I don't remember. I feel like. I don't remember if it was going into high school, but I definitely got that it was going into another school. So I wasn't sure if it was like how sometimes in the US we do one through six and then seventh, eighth has its own school, but like that transition to a new school. 
cool. That makes sense. There were definitely some relatable things, even, you know, as an adult that you can identify with that these kids are experiencing the, the social pressures, the comments from the peers. I think that's to me, what made this such a relatably queer movie is because like most, if not all queer folks, I feel like experienced that hopefully not their entire time of school, but at least at some point, you know, perhaps while you're figuring it out, kids have questions, kids have comments, anything not normal is, is fair game to be, you know, mocked especially as we all try to figure out what it means to like be an adult right be a part of society Mm -hmm. we start to realize that like there are these social things and you know agendas and prejudices and all that stuff so i thought this was honestly one of the best visual portrayals of that that i've ever seen yeah and the and the whole idea of like at some point we as a society begin to sexualize acts between one another. Like I specifically remember when I had to stop showering with my best friend was in like fifth grade because her mom told us it was no longer appropriate for us to see each other naked in the shower. And I thought that that was so weird because I was like, we're just showering. Like this, this means nothing. And I felt like that was what was happening when Remy like crawled to put his head on leo's stomach and leo was like no and that whole like passive way of communicating rather than being like hey i don't like this this is what's coming up for me i just very much related to those like subtle brushes or brush offs of like what you're doing is not okay and this is this is a sexual thing that you only do with your romantic partner or your boyfriend or your girlfriend which is why they then deduced that leo and remy were queer together Yeah. And it was really only at school that they experienced any of this because their families are clearly not the problem. They have no issue with it. Both boys are super entwined in the other one's family. It's super normal that they're going to sleep at each other's houses. The parents are friends. It's, It's not coming from inside the house. It's only coming from outside the house in this uh, portrayal here, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think again, that's kind of relatable. Your family was always great. I was also going to say very, also very accurate. I was thinking about like my sister and her raising her kiddos and like trying to do a very good job of instilling like racial and and queer lenses into their minds and like uh, teaching them how to identify sexism and stuff like that. And then they would still come home and they would say some really problematic shit because, oh, I heard my friend say this or, oh, I saw this on TV. And so it's a good reminder that like, even if you are affirming like we as a society have really paved the way for for what is okay and what is not okay for children to do and those kids then become the reinforcers of that even if we're trying to undo it and it's really fucking unfortunate yeah and it's not like the kids had no boundaries or anything like that like when they were asked for the first time if they're a couple, like Leo says, like, no, we're not a couple. We don't go around smooching and holding hands. So, like, that's the difference, which, like, made perfect sense to me. Like, there are many boundaries that I think would be fine or healthy at different ages. But, like, it just wasn't a problem. And we all made it a problem. <laughs> like, the whole time I just kept being like, why do we do this? Why do we do this to kids? Yeah. And I mean, not for nothing, but, like, I could see myself in those 
in those kids that were making those comments. Like, I'd love to be like, oh my God, no, I was so elevated. I never shamed anybody for doing things that they enjoyed, but I could a hundred percent see younger Brianna being like, no, you're gay. No, that's like what you do with boyfriends and girlfriends, because that was just like what we as kids do or did. We, we question and mock difference when like now as an adult, I look back and I wish that like I had had the wherewithal to challenge the person who was slinging the slurs and be like, well, why do you feel the need to do that? And I'm actually very curious, like how my nibblings would perceive this movie, like, because they're of that age and like, I'm looking back at it as like, oh, what could have been or what I wish was, and they're living it now. Yeah, totally. I do think, mm, man, actually, I don't know. I was going to say, I do think it's a little bit different now, but I think, is this supposed to be like take place today? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because I, yeah. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I have some friends that have a kid who's 10 in Seattle and it's very common for kids in her class to use they, them pronouns. So there are certain mm-hmm. aspects of today's youth, if you will, uh, that I know are easier for them, but it, it could just be this particular bubble as well. Yeah. And also I think it's important because when I went to go up to to talk to Lucas, the person before me asked if the way that Leo and Remy and and Leo's brother were is the way in which boys are in Belgium. And Lucas was like, oh, absolutely not. No. So this also isn't like a, oh, maybe it's a Belgian thing. Like maybe that closeness is okay. Like, no, this is a universal thing that like that type of intimacy between two boys is not okay past a certain age. Like that study, um, Lucas also talked about like what kind of prompted him to make this movie, which I know you heard as well, was like the study that was done by psychologists being like between the ages of 13 and 18, the boys that are 13 still have very loving words to describe their friends. But by the time they're 18, the language they used to describe their friends are very different. And this film's supposed to encapsulate that, that like regardless of location, there comes a time where the behavior of childhood is no longer acceptable. And those who do not give that up will be ridiculed and shamed into giving it up. Yeah. And so much of this happens unconsciously Mm -hmm. because I remember the best way to communicate with other guys was to make fun of them for like being feminine. And now I'm Mm -hmm. like horrified at myself. I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is a huge problem. Like understand, Mm -hmm. right. Like the ramifications and the, the sexism and the patriarchy and things that I didn't understand when I was a teenager and trying to communicate with other guys, but you definitely understand how it happens. And it's just kind of like, I think this movie was so profound to me because it shows like, the small like the small punches that society constantly takes and the tiny steps you take to can that like continually feed into it like Mm -hmm. in this movie when he's like oh i'm just gonna sleep in this bed tonight you know he doesn't say that out loud he just kind of moves 
and it's like the comments at school that did it. And then he rides his bike with other kids and it's just like this other thing and this other comment, this other person. And well, then he's into hockey because he's trying to assimilate because he doesn't want to be the target. And you just, it just, this is just a relatable experience. And it's not until Mm -hmm. hindsight where you're like, Oh yeah, I did this to make sure I wasn't the outcast, but like the othering of anyone is a huge problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the idea that like, I, I also think, that some people might be like, well, I don't understand how Remy's life could end in suicide based on like such little that happened. But I think that that definitely undermines the significance of this relationship. And to a certain extent, like the, the movie does a good job of establishing that, like it all, it already seems that Remy deals with, bigger emotions or maybe anxiety. We see that adorable scene where Leo like tells him the story and then helps him with his breathing as he's trying to fall asleep. Dear God, I was like, don't cry, don't cry. Fucking so sweet. So like he's already maybe experiencing emotions a little bit larger or a little bit more intensely or just differently. And then you rip out this relationship that like brings you so much comfort and support and like just like every I feel like it wouldn't be the same if people's responses wouldn't be the same if that was like a sibling that had just decided that like he didn't want to be associated with him or like the law if it had been a physical loss if Leo had died people wouldn't be like oh I don't understand why Remy killed himself like that would be significant but this was the death of a relationship Yeah. And I mean, again, these kids are 13 ish, right? So if it's the most important relationship that he's had for a very long time, there is nothing that feels bigger because for his life, it has been that thing, you know, and now it's changing in all the kinds of negative ways. And it there's also a lack of communication as it changes, right? Leo almost gaslights Remy when he's like, why aren't we close anymore? And he's like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, motherfucker, you're doing all these things. I have tons of evidence, but because it's like, you know, kind of slowly changing and I can't pinpoint a moment, you're saying it's not real. And I just understand the the grief of that. I also think it's interesting that like you chose the word gaslight because I kind of saw that as well, but then also saw it as like, Leo's last attempt at like clinging to that relationship and like pretending that like they could still be a certain type of close Mm. and like he wanted to believe that like they were still friends because he didn't want to acknowledge the fact that like he had he's the reason why his friend is hurting he's the reason why this relationship has taken the turn and I guess I don't necessarily give him the credit of being able to gaslight. Like he definitely, I don't know if he was aware of it. Like, oh, I'm going to yeah. make this person think this. Sure. But like, it felt like, well, if I can get, convince Remy that we're still friends, then like, maybe I don't have to acknowledge the pain that I've caused and we can still be friends. Yeah, that's fair. And your point about it not being conscious is, yeah, legit. I mean, again, he's 13. He's trying to figure a lot out. New social dynamics have just been introduced that, you know, they're both going to navigate differently. So, yeah, 
this movie's hard to talk about. <laughs> it's just sad. It's so sad. When I saw the trailer, I was like, I think this is just going to be a PSA for like bullying's bad. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, nope, that's like the <laughs> fifth, sixth moral of this one. <laughs> yeah, that like we as humans really need to embrace softness and relate again i feel like we watch a lot of queer movies about relationships being so important and i think that's also kind of like what makes this movie queer is that the queer and trans community recognize how important relationships are because as a whole we've lost so many whether it was from aids whether it's from being kicked out whether it's from murder or suicide or any of the other things that affect our community we know how to cherish a relationship or we know that relationships are important enough to cherish I should say and so when there's loss nope I forgot where I was going with this god damn it it was good and then it just fell apart I mean oftentimes it's it's only your chosen family that's really going to even begin to understand you right so even if your regular family is awesome odds are they can't relate to your queerness and sometimes you get lucky but i mean we've been finding a chosen family and chosen you know folks to spend our time with for forever for a lot of the reasons mm-hmm. that you pointed out so and i think as you get to know other queer people who have done that you know and, and learn queer culture you're like oh cool this is super normal for us mm-hmm. i also like why while i see so many queer aspects of this movie or I should say so much queerness in this movie. I also think it was really important for the boys not to have sexualities because then unfortunately I feel like this movie could just be dismissed as, oh, it was a movie about two boys who didn't want to admit that they had feelings for each other and then one killed themselves rather than like, no, this is so much deeper than sexuality. Like this is not sexual. This yeah. is intimate. Yep. This is like being close to somebody's soul and physical boundaries not mattering because you just want to comfort somebody. I think it would have been different if they had been outwardly gay in the movie or outwardly queer. To me, it just would have made it kind of tougher to navigate. I think it remains a simpler, more straightforward story if we keep it all before that. Because, you know, we can speculate about what they'll be later, but it's not, like you said, not relevant to the situation. I think people also have a really hard time in most cultures talking about children as sexual things, right? Because it's different for every person when I think, you know, you become a sexual being or even think of yourself as sexual, right? That's kind of an Mm -hmm. individual journey. So we can't, there's no blanket thing we can do there. You know, in America, we have our laws about 18 or whatever, but, you know, I'm not sure that (laughs) that's like a simple answer for a not simple Mm -hmm. situation. So, yeah, I think it makes it more accessible for other people if we keep it in that age range, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And, And I think it does a better job of showing how men in this world have been deprived across societies of this type of intimacy and the the negative effects that it has on all of us because of that. Like now 
we see this whole other wave of men that are being applauded because they're showing up for their children because they're caring for other beings. I mean, long, there's been so many like bromances and things like that. And people being men being shamed for like hugging another guy or going on a man date with another guy and all these ways to sexualize just being close with somebody. And like, you know, how important our close relationship is to us and how at least to me, much it trivializes our relationship when someone tries to like paint it as being uh, a sexual one or someone just being like in love with one another. Oh, yeah. I think part of the grief of this movie is not only that he passes away, but that a friendship this special can't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. That was that was something I kept thinking about. It's like layers of sadness. I also thought close was a good title because it's about how close they are but then also you need closure at the end of the grief so it has to come to a close and so I just thought it was like I don't I mean I don't know if the Belgian title does the same thing but I just so no 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 that's perfect (laughs) ah god damn it I wish I'd written this down okay so the original title was going to be somebody, like a poem by somebody. When we break, I'm going to find it. And it was this very long title. And Lucas was saying it to, I think, like his brother. And his brother was like, that's a stupid title. Don't name it that. (laughs) And Lucas was like, well, fuck you. Fine. I'll just call it close. And then his brother was like, I like that. And so then it just kind of like stuck and he's like, yeah, one word, like your other title. So yep. it was my girl. I'll, I'll remember the poem. I meant to write that down and I did not. But yeah, I thought that that was a great description, not only for the relationship, but also for the way the movie was shot. Like, motherfucker, you're getting up and in this with us. Oh, yeah. With the shots, with the intimate relationships, with the grief. Yep. With all of it. I also thought like just in general that the actors and actresses did an amazing job mm-hmm. uh especially like learning more about how their process was where they really only got to like see the script or read the script one time mm-hmm. and then just kind of got these these lines and these emotions based on questions that were asked about like what the actors thought the intentions of that character were which I was like, well, that fucking worked. You did great. Because it was amazing. Oh, yeah. All the acting in this movie was was fantastic. All the parents, both of the boys. I thought Lucas's story about how he found Remy and asked him to audition and it all worked out was fantastic. He thought he found him literally was just in the same train car as yep. uh, Eden And Eden was goofing off with his friends and he was like, hey, want to audition for this film. Another thing he said in the interview was, you know, the scene where he's cutting off the cast and and Leo just starts sobbing. That was only they, they only shot that scene twice. And that was the second take that they used and the way they got to get him to elicit that kind of emotion was he was listening to a song. Um, cause one of the audience members was like, how'd you get them to be so emotive? And he was like, he mentioned that the song makes him really emotional. So we played it in his little ear and 
That's what he gave us on the second take, never having acted before. And I was like, fuck. Yeah, that's incredibly impressive. Right. Honestly, no matter what age you are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just sobbing silently. Yeah. So I had some thoughts about the use of hockey in this movie. I think it was the perfect choice is where I'm at, because I think that as someone who got a lot from team sports, I appreciate it being used as a coping mechanism for grief. And I think it was sort of used like that. But also on the flip side, team sports, especially men's team sports, do foster this culture of putting down the feminine and things like that. So I thought it was honestly kind of just another great example of some of the examining of masculinity, especially, you know, for these young boys. I agree. And as you were saying that, I was trying to like think back because when I think of like men's sports specifically what comes to mind is like the NFL and just like the the closeness between the players and like how they simultaneously like perpetuate homophobia while also being like intimate with each other with like ass slaps and and things like that and in the hockey scenes I don't remember seeing Leo really be brought into the camaraderie of the team sport in the ways that like gave me well at least he's got closeness after Remy so I don't know if it was just because like if that was supposed to indicate like oh he's still an outsider he joined this like team to get closeness but then still was struggling still was like not like the other boys so he didn't get that closeness that like he thought he would from them but I I agree. I thought it was a very important tool when showing that grief can be processed in multiple ways. Because oftentimes I think we think of it about like being processed by women and that being talking to your other girlfriends and crying a lot and just like being distraught. And this was, I feel like, a a, a unique example of a boy grieving and how that's going to look different because of society. Yeah. Honestly, when he was just like skating those lines and doing the drills, like there's something weirdly comforting about just pushing yourself and focusing on the physical when the emotional is just too much to deal with. I'm also sure there's studies about that because I like, my wife always jokes that like, oh, if you ever leave me, I'm just going to throw myself into powerlifting. I'm like, more than you already do. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, they're like not being able to deal with big emotions, but you can make body movements and trick your brain into feeling better. Yeah, totally. I think, they, I mean, there's a whole bunch of benefits of sports, but, you know, I'm not sure that we need to go into all of them on this podcast, but yeah, the more I like thought about close and hockey in it, I was like, this is perfect. My other thing, just like as I process it more, that kind of stuck out to me was that there are no televisions at either of these boys' houses, at least that mm. we come into play with, right? They could totally be there and not be part of the movie, but there's something very separate about Leo and Remy and their relationship. And it seemed like their hobbies were like, all outside like biking and running and so it almost seemed like their life was 
was simpler and maybe that's why they could have this intimate relationship so mm. that was just kind of a thought you know not you know there's no screens and so as someone who's always on a screen i was like mm-hmm. where are the screens <laughs> so yeah and and speaking of the outdoor aspect i really loved how they use and i don't know if you caught on to this because i didn't until the very end but i loved how they used leo's family's flower farm yep to show the passage of time and i i I thought that was very very cool and like that he also like gets more involved with the family business and how not for nothing but his family was trying to at least what i perceived like preserve his innocence or like his childhood because he wasn't old enough to work on the farm like they wanted him to spend time with with Remy but then he came to have this loss and was like okay now I'm ready to be more involved and ready to be closer with my family I thought it was great I had a hard time with knowing how to interpret that I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be a distraction for the grief or if maybe it was just another way that we were going to get him to conform for what we wanted to do the rest of his life. So mm. I had some mixed feelings about it. But I mean, either way, that's real life. Can you say more about what you mean to like get him to conform? Because I didn't pick up on that. Okay, so when we send them to school and they get bullied, like, right, society's going to get them into their gender roles. And so, like, this is essentially the more capitalist. Well, now we're going to get them into being a working man. Like, Mm -hmm. if we start them off at, you know, 13 years old, working the farm, he'll be used to it for the next 60 or whatever years that he's got to do it. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking. The the atypical providing man or whatever. Okay, I think I would have been there with you. If the farm had not been flowers. Gotcha. Because. Are we sure it's all flowers? I I thought the machine that they were putting things in were, I thought those were strawberries. Was four flowers. Nope. Those were. Okay. Those were four flowers. Yeah. Um, Which I also was like, the fuck? I didn't know that this was how this was done. Um, But I think because it was flowers, then it made me think of like, this is very cathartic to play with the dirt, to grow something, to like have this life cycle. And to realize that there can be life after the death. But I think if it had been in like a traditional farm, then I would have had this a similar view because I would have viewed it through a lens of masculinity rather than the lens of femininity and life that I viewed it through because it was flowers. Hmm. Gotcha. I could see that. It kind of, it's kind of both in all of it. Yeah. I, there was something still very like working man when they got the machines out to me. The standardization of it. Yes. Which was also another very like auditory jolt because that like Mm -hmm. they cut to the giant machines and I was like, holy shit, wasn't ready for that. Okay. I do have a question about one of the last scenes, if not the last scene that we see Sophie, Remy's mother and Leo. It's just after Leo has told Sophie that he was pushing Remy away and she says, get out. A- I'm wondering how you felt about that response and like the emotions that she was conveying. And then I'll ask my, or state my B part after. I mean, another devastating moment when she said, get out. I think I audibly went oof and just kind of like nodded along. Um, I mean, a very understandable reaction also very understandable as a mother that she would do a 180 pretty quickly and be like well shit i don't need to further 
hurt this boy. There's nothing, you know, it doesn't bring Remy back, blah, blah, blah. So I honestly thought that ending scene was kind of how it would happen. The impulsive reaction. And then once your logic mind has a minute to breathe, your you know, reaction with your, you know, more intention. What did you think? This is what happens when your best friend is an interviewer, is an interviewer, is an interrupter. We're fucking crushing it, Jesse. I am an so interrupter. So much editing for this one. <laughs> That's all right. I don't. I don't have a job uh, anymore. So what the fuck. No. <laughs> Fun employment starts now, motherfuckers. Right. Uh, I did agree with you. I was surprised that she was that restrained. I thought that she would emote more. And so I thought that that was, I don't know. I thought that was interesting because I can't say that like I would have the wherewithal to keep it so internal. I feel like I would blow up and then do what she does and run after Leo. I thought it was interesting. The B part was going to be, I think because I then was very concerned that Leo was going to try and kill himself in those woods that then when it pans to him and he's holding a stick trying to defend himself against Sophie, I almost didn't believe it. Like, logically, I got it. Like, well, fuck you. You hurt me, so I don't need you type thing. But, like, nothing before that moment had set me up to believe that he would pick up a stick and threaten this woman. So I was wondering how you felt about that scene and that choice. I guess, why do you think nothing about him indicates he would do that? To me, it's been indicated a couple times in the film that that he can't process his emotions. And because he can't, he acts out violently. I think hockey's a great outlet for that. But we, him, the, the beginning of the end is You're literally right. a physical wrestling match between him and Remy that starts friendly and turns kind of hostile pretty quickly with no communication about why that seems to come all from Leo being bothered that when he moved Remy went after him kind of thing. You're right. You're right. And as, as you explained that, that I was like, Oh yeah, duh. there's lots of images of this. So I don't, I don't know why, but like, maybe I didn't believe that Eden was emoting enough anger to pick up a stick. Like it just looked out of place to me. Yeah, and I think I, yeah. I think it's supposed to be sort of assumed that he would never actually use it, right? It's yes, he has some of this anger and all of this grief and all of this sadness and despair, but he also had a relationship with this woman for, you know, what seems to be his whole life before. So I don't think we're supposed to believe that he's going to use it. I think it's more just, yeah, he picked up a weapon in, in this, you know, very emotional reaction from both of them. I don't know. She was also technically chasing him and yelling his name. So I don't know. There are a lot of ways to interpret mm -hmm. parts of this, but we could also see clearly it was coming to a hug and not more violence. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the more jarring part to me was the end when their house is empty she learns this and then Remy's family up and moves. So mm. any breakthrough they just had, at least for each other with, you know, in that relationship between Remy's mom and mm. Leo is she clearly can't handle it or at the very least it's done. So. So are you saying that you perceived that 
those two scenes to be close to each other in time. I did, yes. Okay, I did not because okay. of the flowers. I like to me that was maybe third quarter. So like first quarter was them being close, second quarter was Remy passing away in the beginning and then him beginning to grieve. Third quarter was the it was my fault and continued grieving and then the fourth quarter was the okay and now this year has ended. So to me it was like at least several more months because I think okay. they put a flower scene in between to kind of okay. show the passing of time. Yeah, it felt more like closure, like okay, I can't as the mother and the father exist in this space where so many things remind me of my child. Yeah. And like I need to go be someplace else. So closure. I guess to me if if that's the case, why don't we get to be privy to that conversation? Did we need to be? I guess it depends how ambiguous you want that final scene to be. To me, if we want people to conclude with what you're concluding, we would show that conversation or allude to that in some way. And to me, the last time we see Remy's mom is when she's like sad processing, hugging Leo and then the next thing is their empty house as far as like her mm. presence. And so to me, it felt like a separation there. Mm. Okay. I can see that. It's not how I felt, but like I can see how the way it was cut would make you feel that way. I felt like the the wood scene was the closure and like was the conversation they needed to have that like- gotcha that's where the the story was taking us that like their relationship was the mother wanting to know what had happened and Leo not being quite ready to say. And then she got to know what she needed to know that like, it wasn't just out of the blue, like that Leo acknowledged, yes, something changed. Yes. I pulled away. And then they both got what they needed from each other because I mean, not for nothing, it's not like Leo was going over to Remy's house all the time after he passed. Like they didn't have a relationship. The last thing that was keeping them tethered together was the what happened. And once that happened, then their relationship kind of came to a close and he could continue to fully move on or move through the grief. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense too. There are no wrong interpretations here. I think mine was just a little different. <laughs> I think mine was more right, but <laughs> there are no wrong interpretations Rem here. Brianna. Remember, you love me. You love me. <laughs> so, before we wrap, Jesse, can you remind us of the movies that are in this international category, film category, with this movie? Putting you on the spot here. Absolutely. So, our nominee is an international feature film for uh, the Oscars that are coming up this weekend. What? What? Uh, we have the Germany entry, All Quiet on the Western Front. We have mm -hmm. the Argentina entry, Argentina, 1985. We have this film we just covered, Close, which is the Belgium entry. We have EO, which is the Polish entry, and The Quiet Girl, which is the Irish entry. Okay. Well, I've only seen this one, but I know how much the world loves war movies. 
So I'm concerned all quiet on the Western front might take it. But do you have any opinions on the likelihood that this one will take it? I think you nailed it. I think this is almost certainly all quiet on the Western front. I hear you. Here's the thing. All Quiet on the Western Front is a gorgeous movie. Great acting, incredible special effects. I'm not trying to take anything away from Close, but I do think you're right that All Quiet on the Western Front is the winner here. And for what it's worth, I would say it's more an anti-war movie than a war movie. It just takes place during war. And I heard Argentina 1985 is kind of a courtroom drama, and that one's free on Amazon Prime. Not sure on the other two because they're not very accessible, but... Unless he lived in New York, and then he could have gone to Quiet Girl and met the cast and talked to the director. Come on over, come on over, baby. Okay. That's that's all you're getting. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today on Queer Watching. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Queer underscore Watching. And if you liked what you heard today, give us a five-star rating where you get your podcasts. You can also send us an email with recommendations or feedback at queerwatching at gmail.com What, no ta-ta this time? <laughs> ta-ta! <laughs> Cheerio!